Global Lead Exposure Report by David Bernard, Jason Shucroft. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Global Lead Exposure Report, published by David Bernard, Jason Shucroft on the Effective Altruism Forum. Rethink Priorities has been piloting expanding into human-focused near-termist global priorities research. This post is one of three outputs from the pilot program. Open Philanthropy provided funding for this project and we use their general frameworks for evaluating cause areas, but they do not necessarily endorse its conclusions. We don't intend this report to be Rethink Priorities' final word on lead exposure. We hope the report galvanizes a productive conversation about lead exposure within the EA community. We are open to revising our views as more information is uncovered. If you are interested in doing similar research, please apply to Rethink Priorities Global Health and Development Staff Researcher position, deadline 13th of June 2021. Key takeaways. Lead exposure is a large problem with social costs on the order of $5 to $10 trillion annually, most of which come through neurological damages and losses in IQ causing lost income later in life. Lead exposure is diverse both in terms of sources and geography, with there being many different pathways for environmental lead to enter the human body and exposure being common across nearly all low- and middle-income countries. Although the proportion of the lead burden attributable to different sources is unclear, important exposure pathways include informal recycling of lead-acid batteries, residential use of lead-based paint, consumption of lead-adulterated foodstuffs, and cookware manufactured with scrap lead. Strategies for reducing lead exposure are mostly context and source-dependent, but generally preventing new lead entering the environment seems more tractable than removing existing lead. We estimate that $6 to $10 million globally is currently spent by NGOs focused on reducing lead exposure in low- and middle-income countries. We are confident that existing and potential new NGOs in the area currently have the capacity to productively absorb $5 to $10 million annually in additional money, and it's possible though unlikely that this capacity would expand to $25 million annually over the next five years. Rough initial cost-effectiveness estimates suggest that some strategies for dealing with lead exposure could be as or more cost-effective than give well top charities. Executive Summary We believe that the problem of lead exposure deserves more attention than it currently receives in the near-termist effective altruism community. Exposure to lead causes many problems. High levels of lead exposure can be fatal. Even at low levels of exposure, lead exposure causes neurological damage, especially in children. Lead exposure is associated with many cognitive and behavioral problems and is a significant risk factor for cardiovascular diseases, mental disorders, and kidney disease. Worldwide, lead exposure is estimated to impose a 21.7 million daily burden for comparison, malaria causes a 46.4 million daily burden, and we think the true value is likely 30 to 100% larger. The economic costs of lead exposure, primarily lost earnings due to reductions in IQ, are estimated to toll around a trillion dollars annually but we think the true value is 30-50% to 50% of this size. If one adopts a logarithmic income utility model 1, the utility value of this dollar burden is an order of magnitude higher, since 94% of the loss occurs in low- and middle-income countries, LMICs, which have on average 10x lower incomes than the USA. Lead exposure is common across LMICs. Important exposure pathways include the informal recycling of lead-acid batteries, 2. The residential use of lead-based paint, the consumption of lead-adulterated foodstuffs, especially spices, and the use of improperly sealed aluminum lead alloy cookware. Unfortunately, the proportion of the lead burden attributable to these different sources is unclear. Other sources of lead exposure include metal mining and processing, cosmetics, traditional medicines, tobacco products, 
aviation fuel, plumbing, and electronic waste. More research on exposure pathways would be valuable. There are many potential strategies that one could adopt to reduce lead exposure. Promising interventions include advocating for lead-based paint regulations, educating consumers about lead-adulterated products, increasing the formal recycling of lead-acid batteries, cleaning toxic hotspots, and enforcing regulations related to lead in spices and pottery. Initial analysis suggests that these interventions may be competitive with Give Well Top charities, but more research is needed to evaluate the cost-effectiveness of these, and other, interventions. Lead exposure appears to be neglected relative to the size of the problem. The largest organization working on lead exposure is the nonprofit Pure Earth. They operate on an annual budget of $5 to $6 million, of which $4 to $5 million is directed toward lead exposure. Summing the estimated budgets of other organizations, we believe that donors spend no more than $10 million annually on lead exposure. We are currently unsure how much governmental funding is directed toward the problem, but the amount appears to be small enough to leave ample room for more philanthropic funding. We believe the lead exposure ecosystem could productively absorb at least an additional $5 million annually, with this amount increasing as current NGOs expand capacity and new organizations enter the space. It is unclear how quickly the cost-effectiveness of additional funding would decrease. If one were to read just two pieces about lead exposure, other than this report, we recommend, 1, the 2020 UNICEF and Pure Earth report The Toxic Truth, which provides a nice overview of the problem of lead exposure and, 2, Teresa Atina and Leonardo Trasande's 2013 paper Economic Costs of Childhood Lead Exposure in Low- and Middle-Income Countries because this research underpins the economic argument for working to reduce lead exposure. If one wanted to fund direct lead exposure work this year, we would recommend two organizations, Pure Earth and the Lead Exposure Elimination Project. If one wanted to fund lead exposure research, we would recommend studies measuring blood lead levels in neglected regions, source apportionment studies, to determine the lead exposure pathways, in neglected regions, and further investigation of the relationship between lead exposure, general intelligence, and earnings potential. Introduction to this problem area. Lead is a potent neurotoxin, and its effects are irreversible. WHO, 2010. Children are at increased risk because in many circumstances they are more likely to ingest lead than adults 3, and in all circumstances the ingested lead is worse for children's still developing bodies than it is for adults' bodies. Malnourished children are at particular risk because poor nutritional status, especially calcium and iron deficiencies, increases lead absorption, Goyer, 1997. There is no safe level of lead exposure, even low-level exposure is associated with a host of health, behavioral, and cognitive problems, UNICEF, 2020. Sources of lead exposure. In the 20th century, the largest source of lead exposure was leaded gasoline, responsible for 90% or more of human lead exposure, UNEP, 2020. Thankfully, this source has been almost completely eliminated. In 2002, 82 countries still allowed lead to be added to automobile fuel, UNEP, 2020. As of 2020, Algeria, population, 43 million, is the only country in the world that has not yet banned leaded automobile gasoline for, Cyan Hatfield, 2011 estimate that the global elimination of leaded gasoline prevents 1.2 million premature deaths a year and saves the world economy $2.45 trillion a year. Unfortunately, many sources of lead exposure remain and several new sources have appeared in the last 30 years. Major sources include lead acid batteries, spices, cookware, and paint. Other sources of lead exposure include metal mining and processing, cosmetics, traditional medicines, tobacco products, aviation fuel, plumbing, and electronic waste. 
there is little research on quantitatively assessing the relative importance of exposure pathways, and it is currently unclear what proportion of the total lead burden is attributable to each of these exposure pathways. Our impression from conversations and the gray literature is that lead paint and unsafe recycling of lead acid batteries are the largest sources of exposure in LMICs. Erickson et al. 2017, suggests that out of a total of 21.2 million DAL-Ys from lead exposure in 2013, 127,248 to 1,612,476, 0.6% to 7.6%, of them came from 10,599 to 29,241 informal lead acid battery recycling sites, but we have not vetted this study at all. A recent systematic review in The Lancet, Erickson et al., 2021, analyzes 478 studies of blood lead levels in low- and middle-income countries 5, the review finds that battery manufacture or recycling was the primary source of lead exposure in more studies, 118, than any other source. Somewhat surprisingly, lead-based pain is only reported as the primary source in seven studies. However, the review only tracks primary exposure sources. It would be naive to extrapolate from the fact that 7478 studies are from contexts where lead paint is the primary exposure source to the claim that 1.5% of the total burden is from paint because, 1. Paint is likely to be a non-primary but significant exposure source in many contexts, and 2. There's no reason to expect the distribution of studies across contexts to be representative since studies are more likely to take place in localities with high lead exposure. In other words, we are concerned that if you only did studies near hotspots and you only looked at primary exposure pathways, you might come to believe that a majority of the burden is attributable to, for example informal battery recycling sites. If you looked instead, at the population as a whole, it might turn out that, for example paint causes a higher, though more diffuse, burden. Use lead acid batteries, ULA bees. The raw materials from used lead acid batteries, ULA bees, are economically valuable and easily extracted, resulting in an estimated 10,000 to 30,000 informal recycling enterprises worldwide, mainly in poor communities with few other economic opportunities, Ericsson et al. 2017. Lead acid batteries account for about 85% of total global lead consumption, and the market is predicted to continue to grow, especially in Asia, WHO 2017. Informal all-ab recycling releases toxic dust and fumes, posing an immediate and acute danger to workers, many of whom do not wear personal protective equipment. Because informal all-ab recycling doesn't require any heavy equipment, operations can quickly change locations, making enforcement difficult even when appropriate regulations exist, WHO 2017. Informal all-ab recycling also contaminates the soil, which can continue to be a source of lead exposure for the local community long after the all-ab recycling site has ceased operation. Formal recycling facilities also have some risk of contaminating the soil as well, but our impression is that generally the risk levels are lower, Gottesfeld et al., 2018. Spices. In some regions, particularly South Asian countries, leaded pigments are added to spices to enhance the color of the spice. Adulterated spices include turmeric, paprika, saffron, cumin, coriander, and curry powder, or et al. 2019. For example, in Bangladesh lead chromate pigment is added to dried turmeric root at commercial polishing mills to induce a vibrant yellow color in the spice. This practice allegedly originated over 30 years ago, driven by consumer demand for bright, colorful curries, for Scythe et al. 2019. Turmeric consumption has been linked to elevated blood lead levels in Bangladesh, for Scythe et al. 2018, and probably contributes to lead exposure in other South Asian countries. Spices also appear to be a major lead exposure pathway in Middle Eastern and North African countries, Hor et al. 2019-6.
Cookware. The lead generated from informal recycling of lead-acid batteries is often passed on to small, local manufacturers of cookware. These enterprises use the lead to create aluminum lead alloys for a variety of cookware and cooking utensils. According to Occupational Knowledge International, inexpensive aluminum cookware from at least 20 countries has been tested and found to leach dangerous level 7, of lead. Glazing on artisanal pottery in places like Mexico is also alleged to be a big problem, but we did not have time to investigate this issue. In conversation, Pure Earth stated that the majority of lead exposure appears to come from the kitchen, i.e., adulterated food and contaminated cookware. Lead is also found in the glazes of certain types of pottery. Low-temperature fired kilns often use glazes made predominantly with lead dioxide to create a shiny finish. Typically wood-fired and manufactured by smaller artisans rather than large commercial enterprises, this type of glaze releases lead into food in the presence of heat or acid, for example tomatoes. In Mexico, artisanal pottery is considered the single largest source of lead exposure, Tejas Rojo et al., 2019, a broad review of countries with similar practices has not been done. Pure Earth has found evidence of the same issue in South India, Guatemala, Peru, Brazil, Pakistan and elsewhere. Paint. When lead-based paint begins to chip or deteriorate, lead is released into the air, dust, and soil. Children get their hands coated in the dust and soil and ingest the lead through normal hand-to-mouth behavior. Additionally, young children are known to sometimes ingest paint chips, IPEN, 2021. Approximately 1.7 billion people live in countries with no regulations controlling lead in paint 8, International Pollutants Elimination Network, IPEN, which works on regulating lead paint, has confirmed dangerously high levels 9, of lead in paint in at least 59 countries. See their map here. In conversation, IPEN reported that based on their data on lead in paint from 59 countries, it seems like countries without lead paint regulations are virtually guaranteed to have lead-based paint on the market. However, the opposite is not true. Countries with regulations on lead levels in paint frequently fail to enforce them. For example, despite legally binding restrictions in China, a 2017 study found that 37% of 141 sampled paints for sale contain soluble lead contents above the legal limit, IPEN, 2017. Additionally, some countries may have restrictions that are not stringent enough to eliminate dangerous levels of lead in paint. Importance. Health impact of lead exposure. Health problems caused by lead exposure. The global burden of disease, GBD, includes lead exposure as a risk factor for cardiovascular diseases, mental disorders, and kidney disease. Children are particularly vulnerable to lead exposure. This is because, one, they grow faster than adults so their bodies absorb more of a given amount of ingested lead, and this is exacerbated when they are undernourished and lacking minerals like calcium and iron which lead mimics, and, two, they tend to ingest more lead due to their normal hand-to-mouth behavior. Children exposed to high levels of lead poisoning can suffer severe neurological damage, intellectual difficulties, behavior disorders, and, in the worst cases, comas and death. Lower levels of exposure have less obvious symptoms but are associated with slower brain development, reduced IQ, increased antisocial behavior, anemia, and hypertension, WHO, 2019. Estimated daily burden. GBD estimates a global daily burden from lead exposure of 21.7 million. 94% of the burden occurs in LMICs. In terms of the diseases lead exposure causes, GBD estimates that 82% of the DALYs are a result of cardiovascular diseases, 12% from mental disorders and 6% from kidney diseases 10. Valuing a daily at $50,000 puts the annual health costs from lead exposure at $1.1 trillion. 
you can explore a map of the country-level estimates of the daily burden, average blood lead level, VLL, number of children with greater than 5 and greater than 10 G-DL, micrograms of lead per deciliter of blood, and premature deaths from lead exposure here. Some key takeaways include. There are 815 million children with BLL greater than 5 G-DL, around one-third of all children globally, UNICEF, 2020. Average BLL are 510x higher in Africa and Asia than in high-income countries. Approximately 60% of the current daily burden occurs in India and China. The number of Dalwis is increasing over time, but the rate of increase has slightly slowed in recent years and daily burden per person has decreased slightly. Notes, 2019 Global Distribution of Absolute Daily Burden of Lead Exposure from GBD. Notes, Annual Global Daily Burden of Lead Exposure Over Time from GBD. Spreadsheet with values available here. Why the daily burden may be an underestimate. All daily estimates are noisy, but daily estimates for leads seem particularly noisy since they rely on only 88 BLL surveys across all LMICs 11. If a country has no BLL surveys, GBD imputes the distribution using estimates from neighboring countries and four basic covariates which we suspect gives an imprecise estimate of the actual BLL distribution. Schaffer et al., 2019-12, Erickson et al., 2021, include data from 478 BLL surveys which should make estimates more precise but as far as we can tell, this has not yet been integrated into assessments of the health and income impacts of lead. We think that the noisy global estimate of 21.7 million DAO-wise is more likely to be an underestimate of the true burden than an overestimate for two main reasons. Firstly, GBD counts IQ loss as a contribution to DAO-wise only if it results in an IQ below 85, classified under the cause of idiopathic developmental intellectual disability. However, lead exposure results in IQ loss across the entire distribution. We would not expect a discontinuity in disease burden or welfare loss at an IQ of 85, meaning that there is likely additional welfare loss from IQ loss not being captured. Secondly, GBD makes two key modeling assumptions for lead's effect on cardiovascular outcomes. The first assumption is that lead exposure affects cardiovascular outcomes solely through the pathway of increased blood pressure. The second assumption is that lead only starts affecting blood pressure after BLL exceeds 5G-DL, Schaffer et al., 2019. Lanfear et al., 2018, provides weak evidence that both assumptions are false such that they result in a potentially significant underestimate of the burden. Firstly, they find that even when controlling for hypertension, lead exposure is associated with an increase in cardiovascular disease mortality, which suggests that there are pathways other than blood pressure through which lead negatively affects cardiovascular outcomes 13. Secondly, in one analysis they also limit the sample to those with BLL below 5G-DL and find that an increase from 1 to 5G-DL is associated with a 95% increase, 95% confidence interval, 46% to 160%, in cardiovascular disease mortality, suggesting that there are negative effects at low BLL even before the GBD threshold. They attribute 400,000 out of 2.3 million annual deaths in the USA to lead exposure, which is an order of magnitude larger than the current estimate, but we are confident that the number is not that high. The study is observational, with no exogenous variation in lead exposure and many possible confounders, but we think it nonetheless provides some weak evidence that the daily burden is higher than reported, although likely not a full order of magnitude higher given the study's limitations. Our best guess is that the true daily burden is likely 30-100% to 100% larger. Economic Impact of Lead Exposure The Relationship Between Lead Exposure and IQ we have not had the capacity to look into the biomedical literature, but our impression from conversations is that there is strong evidence that, lead is a neurotoxin, 
it causes biological damage and hinders brain development. The most commonly cited paper we've seen on the blood lead level and IQ dose response relationship is Lanfear et al. 2005. They take longitudinal data from 1,333 children in seven different sites, Boston, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Mexico, Port Perry, Rochester, Yugoslavia, who were followed from birth to age 5 to 10. They regress final IQ on blood lead level and attempt to control for potential confounders. Across multiple models, they find that harm from additional lead is worse at low BLL, i.e. they find diminishing marginal harms. The model from this paper which is most commonly referenced in later literature is the spline piecewise model, which allows for different slopes of the dose-response relationship at different ranges. We show the results from this model in the table and graph below. The causal identification here is limited, so we think the relationship is likely weaker than stated, but the cost-benefit analyses in the literature, described below, that use these results take the point estimates at face value. Blood lead level, microgram slash DL, IQ loss per microgram slash DL, 95% confidence interval. 0 to 2.4 no data. 2.4 to 10 0.51, 0 0.32 to 0 0.70. 10 to 20 0.19, 0 0.12 to 0 0.26. 20 plus 0 0.11, 0 0.07 to 0 0.15. Notes, own calculations from the estimates in Lanfear et al. 2005. They don't provide estimates for the relationship between 0 and 2.4 G-DL, which later modeling takes as implying there is no impact of BLL or IQ in this range. Notes, plot of the estimates in table above. Estimated global GDP reduction due to lead exposure. After modeling the relationship between blood lead level and IQ, the next step of estimating the economic burden of lead exposure is to model the relationship between IQ and earning potential. We have not looked at the literature on the IQ income relationship so we just report the modeling assumptions used in existing cost-benefit analyses, but we suspect that this literature does not use particularly credible causal inference methods, so general skepticism suggests we should think the relationship is weaker than reported. The most influential paper for the economic burden of lead exposure in LMICs is Atina and Trasande, 2013, who study the BLL IQ income pathway. Their conclusion is that across LMICs, Lead exposure reduces earning potential by $977 billion annually, with their sensitivity analysis producing a range of $729 to $1,163 billion, actual dollars, not utils. Under a log utility model, if we value giving a dollar to a U.S. citizen, with GDP per capita equals $65,000, at $1, then we should value giving a dollar to the average LMIC citizen, with GDP per capita equals $5,000 14 at 65 fifths equals $13. If we take the estimate at face value, this would suggest that the utility value of the productivity gains from eliminating lead exposure should be valued equivalently to increasing earnings in the U.S. by around $13 trillion, significantly higher than the health gains. Atina and Trasande, 2013 estimate the distribution of blood lead levels across all LMICs using 68 BLL surveys. For countries which don't have surveys, they predict the mean and standard deviation of the distribution using a regression where the explanatory variables are the years since leaded gasoline elimination and its square, and also include the mean BLL for predicting the standard deviation. They assume a log-normal distribution of BLL within countries. They use the BLL-IQ dose-response relationship from Lanfear et al. 2005, described above. They assume that each point of IQ loss is associated with a 2% drop in lifetime earnings, as this is what is done in Grossa et al. 2002, a study of the benefits from reduced lead exposure in the USA. 
in their sensitivity analysis they only dropped this to 1.76%, similarly following Grossa et al. 2002. You can view a map of the country-level estimates of the economic burden of lead in LMICs from Atina and Trasande, 2013, here, where you can see that about 50% of the total dollar burden is in India and China. That map can also show the burden of lead in terms of percent of GDP, rather than the total dollar burden, which is more informative from the perspective of a log income utility model. On that metric, the burdens are higher in sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. We think this estimate is probably the right order of magnitude, but more likely to be an overestimate than an underestimate. We think that the strength of both the BLL-IQ and IQ-income relationships is more likely to be overestimated than underestimated. We discussed above the poor causal identification and skepticism that causes us to think the BLL-IQ link is overestimated. For IQ-income, we have similar skepticism due to limited clean causal identification. For IQ income, there's the additional issue that previous estimates of both the BLL IQ and IQ income relationships have been mostly based on US data and directly extrapolated to LMICs, whereas we think it's plausible that the returns to IQ are stronger in more technologically developed countries. That would mean that taking the IQ income relationship from the US and exporting it to LMICs will result in an overestimate. Furthermore, GiveWell have looked more in-depth at the IQ income relationship in LMICs and their tentative conclusion is that the returns to one point of IQ is a 0.67% increase in income 15, one-third of the estimate used in Atina and Trasande, 2013. Our all-things-considered adjustment would be to say the annual economic benefits in dollars are 30-50% to 50% of the reported value of $1 trillion and therefore under a log utility model, the economic value, through the lead IQ earnings pathway, of eliminating lead exposure in LMICs would be $3.90 to $6.5 trillion. Finally, it's important to note that this analysis is a partial equilibrium analysis which implicitly assumes no externalities of higher IQ. It is plausible that externalities of IQ increases could substantially outweigh the direct effects and these could be positive, for example if having more people in the right tail significantly contributes to innovation, productivity enhancements, and economic growth, or negative. For example IQ shifts just change who gets a fixed set of high-paying jobs. We haven't thought about which direction this might go. Other outcomes. We think health and income gains are likely to make up the vast majority of the gains from reducing lead exposure. The main other factor included in lead cost-benefit analyses, Gould, 2009, Sy and Hatfield, 2011, is violent crime. Rick Nevin has a series of papers where he argues that lead is a key determinant of crime levels across a number of high-income countries, with a particular focus on the U.S. The descriptive statistics are compelling, but skepticism of the causal claims is justified. C. Reyes, 2007, Feigenbaum and Muller, 2016, and Billings and Schnabel, 2018, for studies of lead and crime with modern causal inference techniques. We haven't read these papers in detail but our initial impression is that they support the lead crime hypothesis, however, we are very unsure about what they imply for the proportion of crime caused by lead exposure. A recent meta-analysis by Higney et al. 2021, suggests that there is publication bias in the literature and high-quality studies show an effect of lead on crime that is close to zero. They calculate that lead exposure reductions in the U.S. are responsible for between 36% and 0% of the fall in homicides, not the majority as is often claimed. We haven't vetted this working paper. Predicted distribution of lead exposure. We can think of lead exposure coming from two sources, legacy lead that already exists in the environment, for example houses already painted with lead paint, and new sources that are being added, for example houses that will be painted with lead paint. 
our impression is that preventing new sources of lead will be more cost-effective than removing legacy lead. However, there is likely a lot of heterogeneity in the costs of removing legacy lead. For instance, compare removing and replacing lead pipes with painting over lead paint with lead encapsulating paint. Prevention is clearly a viable strategy as one of the major sources of new environmental lead, leaded automobile gasoline, has already been eliminated via regulation across the entire world, except Algeria. Many countries have introduced regulations to limit the lead content of paint, but regulations are particularly sparse in Africa, and it is not clear how well they are enforced. Our impression is that lead in spices and pottery are likely to have regulations in place in all but the lowest income countries, but that these are weakly enforced. Enforcement of those regulations could be expected to have a significant impact on health. Notes, map showing WHO member states with legally binding controls on lead paint, blue, member states without legally binding controls on lead paint, yellow, and countries for which there is no data, white, as of May 31, 2020, source. One key factor for future exposure is population growth. Since the effects of lead are particularly harmful for young children aged less than 5, caterus paribus we should be more concerned about lead in countries with high population growth rates, where young children will constitute a higher proportion of their population, than in countries with low growth rates 16. Neglectedness. Lead exposure appears to be heavily neglected relative to its importance. Total funding directed toward lead exposure. In conversation, IPEN estimated $2 to $3 million is spent annually on advocacy efforts to regulate lead paint. Much of this funding comes from the Global Environment Facility. In conversation, Pure Earth reported spending an additional $4 to $5 million on other exposure pathways, mainly lead acid battery recycling and spices. Much of Pure Earth's funding comes from USAID, Clarios Foundation, Oak Foundation and the World Bank. Accounting for the budget of smaller organizations, we estimate that NGOs spend $6 to $10 million annually to address lead exposure. Room for more funding. IPEN believes it would cost $15 to $20 million over the next decade to eliminate the sale of lead paint globally. This figure is based on their estimate of the cost to enact new regulations on lead-based paint in at least 50 additional countries, enforcement of adopted regulations, and a broader market shift to lead-free pigments within the supply chain, at which point IPEN predicts we will reach a tipping point where the remaining countries without regulations are likely to enact them without much additional pressure 17, IPEN believes it can effectively scale up to absorb $2 to $3 million a year to lead such a campaign over a 10-year period. Pure Earth believes it can absorb $50 to $100 million over the next decade to expand its work targeting informal lead acid battery recycling and spices adulterated with leaded pigments. They claim that even at this level of expansion, they would see little drop-off in cost-effectiveness. LEAP's second-year funding gap, beginning September 2021, is $225,000 with approximately $50,000 required per year for each additional country targeted. Significant organizations. The exact number of organizations actively working to reduce lead exposure is unknown. Below is a summary of the major groups of which we are aware. Pure Earth. Formerly the Blacksmith Institute, Pure Earth runs a global lead program. They appear to be the only organization that both a. Specializes primarily in reducing lead exposure 18, and b. Takes a comprehensive approach to the issue, attempting to identify the most important exposure pathways and the most cost-effective interventions to address those exposure pathways. Pure Earth recently partnered with UNICEF and the Clarios Foundation 19 to launch the Protecting Every Child's Potential, PECP, initiative, which is working to reduce lead exposure in Mexico, Bangladesh, Georgia, Ghana, and Indonesia. 
Pure Earth runs the Toxic Sites Identification Program to locate and assess contaminated sites in low- and middle-income countries and identify those that pose the greatest threat to human health. Pure Earth also helped found the Global Alliance on Health and Pollution. Pure Earth maintains a very useful collection of key publications on lead and health. Our overall impression of Pure Earth is very positive. They seem well attuned to the traditional EA framework for evaluating the promise of potential interventions. In our conversation with them, they emphasize the importance of measuring blood lead levels before and after an intervention to see if, and to what extent, the intervention worked. In October 2020 they underwent a strategic reorganization, dropping several programs they deemed to be less impactful and renewing their focus on reducing lead exposure. Lead Exposure Elimination Project The Lead Exposure Elimination Project, LEEP, is a charity entrepreneurship incubated nonprofit founded in 2020. LEAP promotes regulations on lead paint and their enforcement in low-income countries. Last year LEAP conducted an on-the-ground study in Malawi, confirming dangerously high lead levels in locally marketed paint. They subsequently built relationships with key stakeholders within Malawi, including health professionals, industry representatives, and the government's Bureau of Standards and Ministry for Health. This work generated significant interest and resulted in the Malawi Bureau of Standards committing to implementing regulation banning lead in paint immediately. According to LEAP, the Bureau described LEAP's paint study as a wake-up call and the reason for their action to implement and enforce the regulation. Over the next year LEAP is, at the request of the Bureau of Standards, providing technical support to Malawian paint manufacturers to facilitate the switch to lead-free paint and increase compliance with regulation. LEAP then intends to repeat their paint study to evaluate whether lead levels have dropped. They have also begun paint studies in two further target countries, Botswana and Zimbabwe and will start advocacy there if high levels of lead are found. By the end of 2021 they plan to complete a paint study in Madagascar through a new partnership with the Ministry of Environment and Sustainable Development to support local lead paint advocacy efforts. Future scale-up will depend on funding availability, with approximately $50,000 required per year for each additional country targeted. Our impression of Lee Peace co-founders, Lucia Coulter and Jack Rafferty, is extremely positive. They appear competent, realistic, and aligned with effective altruism's values. Leapy's initial success in Malawi is impressive, accomplishing in roughly six months what they had estimated would take five years. It's unclear if this success can be replicated and scaled up, but as the only explicitly EA-aligned organization working on LEAD, LEAP deserves consideration for any LEAD-related funding. International Pollutants Elimination Network The International Pollutants Elimination Network, IPEM, is a global coalition of more than 600 NGOs in 124 countries focused on reducing the harmful effects caused by the production, use, and disposal of toxic chemicals. The priorities and work of the network is decided by a steering committee where representatives of IPEN NGO members serve. Since 2009 IPEN has coordinated a program aimed at enacting regulations on lead paint in countries with no or weak restrictions. Since the program's inception, IPEN NGOs have successfully worked through studies of lead in paint, awareness raising, collaboration with policymakers and with the national industry for new regulations in 20 countries 20, and are currently active in another 11 countries 21. A short summary of EPN's strategy is available here, and a full-length report on their efforts to eliminate lead paint is available here. IPEN is also advocating for leaded pigments to be included among the substances covered by the Rotterdam Convention, the international treaty that governs the importation of hazardous chemicals. Importantly, IPEN is a network of distinct groups. That means that the member, partner, NGOs in the network work locally on the ground with support from the technical, science and communications advisors at the IPEN Secretariat. 
The administrative support at the IPAN Secretariat helps generate funding for the members of the network for their campaigns. IPAN NGOs often have a relationship with the relevant people of the government already and their local connections strengthen the long-term sustainability and effectiveness of the effort. While IPEN has partners working on lead paint in about 50 countries, this network structure limits their ability to operate in countries without reliable local partners, a gap that LEAP is well-placed to fill. Our general impression of IPEN is positive, but they often emphasize the merits of their collaborative process over attempts to calculate the amount of good done per dollar spent. They don't seem to place as much value on measuring the results of their interventions as we would like 22. Global Alliance to Eliminate Lead Paint The Global Alliance to Eliminate Lead Paint GALP, is a consortium of organizations, including NGOs, governmental bodies, and trade associations, working to eliminate lead in paint. It was established in response to information on lead paint provided by IPEN. It is jointly run by the UN Environment Programme and the World Health Organization. IPEN serves on the advisory board, and LEAP is a member organization. It helps coordinate activities around the globe and promotes the phase-out of paints containing lead. GALP is modeled in part on the Partnership for Clean Fuels and Vehicles, another UNEP program, which was a leading force in the global push to eliminate leaded automobile fuel. OGO Institute The OGO Institute is a large, wide-ranging German environmental think tank. The Institute has done some work on lead acid battery recycling in Africa. Vital Strategies Vital Strategies is an international public health NGO headquartered in New Delhi. In 2018 Vital Strategies launched a childhood-led poisoning prevention campaign in Peru, emphasizing lead surveillance, public awareness, and improved regulation of lead in consumer products. Occupational Knowledge International Occupational Knowledge International, OK International, is an international public health non-profit that works to reduce exposure to hazardous materials in low-income countries. OK International runs programs on lead paint, lead batteries, and contaminated cookware. Toxics Link Toxics Link is an Indian NGO in the IPEN network that is running a successful campaign that recently led to regulation of lead levels in Indian paint. Toxics Link is currently working on lead acid battery regulation and lead paint. Global Environment Facility The Global Environment Facility, GEF, is a large environmental grant-making foundation. GEF has committed $2 to $3 million per year to lead exposure advocacy. GEF has previously made large grants to IPEN, C, for example here, and Pure Earth, C, for example here. GEF appears to be the leading private funder of lead exposure advocacy. International Lead Association The International Lead Association, ILA, is the only association representing lead producers globally. ILA's main focus is lead acid batteries. ILA provides technical assistance to battery manufacturers and battery recyclers and lobbies for favorable regulations on battery manufacture and disposal. Pure Earth believes them to be an ally on a campaign to clean up informal lead battery recycling but we have not spoken to ELA ourselves. Counterfactual Impact One of our biggest uncertainties is what the counterfactual impact would be of additional philanthropic investment to reduce lead exposure. Some aspects of the lead exposure problem appear to be inching toward an independent resolution. For example, pigment manufacturers appear to be moving away from the production of leaded pigments 23, if the production of leaded pigments were phased out or severely curtailed, that could in turn lead to large reductions in lead exposure from adulterated spices in new lead paint. On the subject of lead paint, there appears currently to be global momentum toward restrictions on the amount of lead that can be included in residential 24 paint. According to IPEN, personal conversation, it is important to utilize this momentum now to ensure that enough countries adopt regulations to reach a point where no country wants to be among the last to regulate this toxic substance. 
IPEN believes that would lead to a tipping point where we see a cascade of new regulations across the remaining nations that lack regulations 25. On the other hand, many sources of lead exposure appear to be neglected relative to their proportion of the overall lead burden. Lead acid batteries are a good example. Pierce, 2020, writes. Perry Gottesfeld of OK International, says UN agencies such as UNICEF and the UN Environment Programme have highlighted the issue without addressing it effectively. Bill, Daniel, physician and epidemiologist, agrees, noting there is a fair amount of published research, and endless discussion, but that has not translated well to definitive action or effective policy. Richard, Fuller at Pure Earth says persuading policymakers will be a slow process. He wants to establish a global fund to help governments provide cash for the collection of batteries by the formal sector, as a way of sidelining the backstreet operators. He highlights success in Brazil, which shut 80% of its informal sector, mainly through economic incentives. Tractability. When evaluating the tractability of reducing lead exposure, we can group assessments either by the source of lead, which may be addressed by multiple types of interventions, or by the type of intervention, which may address multiple sources of lead. Tractability by lead source. In most cases, preventing new sources of lead exposure appears to be easier than removing existing sources of lead 26. Lead paint. Preventing new sources of lead paint appears to be one of the most tractable ways to reduce lead exposure. A coalition of organizations, loosely coordinated by the Global Alliance to Eliminate Lead Paint, has worked since 2011 to achieve and enforce regulations in countries with no or few restrictions on lead levels in paint. Paint manufacturing is a high-volume, low-margin industry, which means much of the market for residential paint is supplied by local, relatively small manufacturers 27, Many of these manufacturers appear to be either unaware that their paint contains lead or unaware of the extent of the health issues that lead exposure causes. Sometimes, when these companies are educated about the problem, they become allies in pursuit of new regulations. Although the exact tactics vary by country, the general strategy 28, developed by IPEN, is for an NGO to, 1, test the levels of lead in local paint to confirm the extent of the problem, 2, publicize the results to local paint manufacturers, industry representatives, and the media. 3. Build a coalition of public health professionals, parents, and consumer advocates to agitate for change. 4. Engage the relevant government officials and offer technical assistance for the adoption and enforcement of a regulatory framework. And 5. Offer technical assistance to paint manufacturers to transition away from leaded pigments. Two other possible strategies are worth noting. One is to attempt to hinder the trade of leaded pigments across international borders. Although most paint in low-income countries appears to be manufactured locally, some of the raw materials, including the pigments which contain lead, appear to be often sourced internationally. IPEN is working to get leaded pigments included as a controlled substance under the Rotterdam Convention, which would impose additional legal burdens on the importation of leaded pigments. Another possibility is to apply pressure to pigment manufacturers directly. Although the global paint industry is highly dispersed, the global pigment industry appears to be relatively concentrated, largely in China and India. One could run a corporate campaign against the major pigment manufacturers compelling them to phase lead out of their pigments. We don't know of any groups who have considered this approach, and to succeed it would likely require more understanding of local context than most groups possess. Used lead acid batteries, ULA bees. The informal recycling of used lead acid batteries, ULA bees, is a major source of lead exposure across the globe. There are two, complementary, approaches to informal all-ab recycling. One is cleanup and remediation. Our tentative analysis below suggests that cleanup of toxic sites in populated areas could be cost-competitive with give-well-top charities. An even more promising approach is prevention.
Formal recycling programs exist in many of the same countries that practice informal recycling. In general, these formal recycling facilities are safer, cleaner, and more efficient 29 than their informal counterparts. The problem is that informal recyclers have lower costs than formal recycling programs, and thus are able to pay significantly more for ULABs, giving consumers a strong incentive to sell their used batteries to informal rather than formal recyclers, WEF 2020. There are several, again, complementary, approaches to resetting the economic incentives so that formal recyclers pay more than informal recyclers. A simple first step is to eliminate the goods and services tax on the formal recycling of ULABs. Another option is to place a levy or fee on the import and production of new batteries, then return that money to the industry when the battery is collected for formal recycling. Finally, governments can directly subsidize the formal collection of ULABs. According to Pure Earth, these approaches were pioneered in Brazil about eight years ago and they reduced the market share of informal recyclers from 60 to 70% to less than 10% 30. Pure Earth is now working on a similar strategy in Bangladesh and Indonesia, with hopes to expand to India, Senegal, Colombia, and the Philippines 31. Lead in Spices Lead in Spices can be addressed through a combination of educational campaigns and technical assistance. Turmeric is a good case study. Although turmeric adulteration is legally prohibited in many areas, the turmeric industry is dominated by small, informal enterprises that are difficult to effectively regulate. Consumer awareness campaigns are one possibility, adulterated turmeric is bright yellow whereas unadulterated turmeric is more of a dull gold. If consumers knew that artificially vibrant turmeric is toxic, they may be less likely to purchase it. Another option is to provide technical assistance to turmeric producers, explaining the dangers of lead chromate pigment and educating them about the most effective ways to dry turmeric so that natural color quality is maintained. Pure Earth has pioneered both strategies in recent years in Bangladesh. Because the lead burden from spices is so high in certain parts of Asia, and because consumer awareness and technical assistance is relatively inexpensive, Pure Earth claims that these sorts of campaigns are currently among the most cost-effective approaches to reducing lead exposure. Lidded Cookware Weidenhammer et al. 2017, observed that prohibitions on the use of scrap metal in cookware manufacturing would be difficult to enforce. They argue instead for coating cookware with a fluoropolymer finish to reduce corrosion, essentially sealing the lead in and reducing lead exposure by 98%. This sort of finish is relatively inexpensive, 33 cents per pot, but the appropriate application of the finish requires specialized equipment, making it impractical for most producers. Weidenhammer et al. note that launching this sort of intervention at scale would require developing a new specialty business to handle a large volume of cookware from multiple artisanal producers to provide the necessary scale to reduce costs. In large cities where these producers are concentrated, it may be feasible to establish a cooperative or central facility to apply a coating for a fixed fee to new cookware from a large number of producers, 2017, 811. It is unclear how promising this strategy is. Lead pipes. Addressing lead exposure from currently installed lead pipes does not appear tractable due to the cost involved in replacing pipes. Individuals who receive water via lead pipes should use a lead-rated water filtration system for their drinking water. They should also consider flushing their water once a day. To prevent lead leaching into the water supply, municipalities could consider in situ electrochemical passivation, but we have not investigated that approach. Leaded aviation fuel. Although leaded automobile gasoline has long been banned, across the globe about 230,000 small, piston engine aircraft still use leaded aviation gasoline, of GIS, which contains tetraethyl lead, TEL, FAA, 2019. These aircraft are the largest single emitters of lead in the United States. According to the FAA, TEL has not yet been banned for use in of GIS, 
because no operationally safe alternative is currently available, FAA, 2019. Although research is underway to identify suitable replacements, industry experts predict getting lead out of aviation fuel won't be easy or cheap and a recently released, congressionally mandated report concludes the same, suggesting this exposure pathway is relatively intractable. Tractability by intervention type. To address the most problematic exposure pathways, a comprehensive strategy that encompasses many different intervention types will probably be needed. New regulations. New regulations appear to be an important tool to combat lead exposure. For instance, there are about 100 countries with no lead paint regulations 32, convincing these countries to enact new regulations looks quite tractable. Since the inception of their lead paint campaign in 2009, IPEN has successfully advocated for legally binding controls on lead paint in 20 countries, with more successes expected shortly. While the country-by-country approach appears promising, regulating the international trade of lead pigments, perhaps via the Rotterdam Convention, may also be important. It's unclear how tractable it would be to enact new international regulations. Enforcing existing regulations. While enacting new regulations is important, sometimes it is sufficient to enforce pre-existing regulations. Operating on a shoestring budget and with no prior experience, LEAP was able to convince the Malawi government to actively enforce previously ignored regulations on lead paint in less than six months. Of course, given the government's history of lax enforcement, it is unclear how durable this new commitment to enforcement will be. It appears much of the lead burden in low- and middle-income countries comes from activities that are, strictly speaking, illegal. For instance, in many countries there are already prohibitions on the adulteration of foodstuffs with leaded pigments or the informal recycling of lead-acid batteries. The trouble is that in many areas all ab recycling, spice production, cookware manufacturing, and e-waste disposal all seem to be dominated by a diffuse group of informal enterprises, making enforcement difficult. But ineffective enforcement can be actively counterproductive, if an informal all-ab recycling site is shut down only to reopen in another part of town, then the attempted enforcement will have merely created an additional hotspot of contamination, WEF, 2020. Still, where possible, appropriate enforcement of existing regulations will probably prove crucial. Monitoring. Although it is a step removed from direct impact, basic health monitoring appears to be one of the most important elements of a successful approach to lead exposure. Blood lead levels are not measured frequently enough in most communities. By monitoring BLL more frequently in more contexts, we will better understand where the burden lies and how successful interventions are in reducing it. The most tractable remedy to this deficiency is to incorporate BLL screening into existing nutritional, demographic, or health surveys 33. Educational campaigns. Educating individuals about the dangers of lead and their likely exposure pathways appears to be an important type of intervention. In many cases, individuals may be unaware of the long-term health impacts of informal e-waste recycling or informal all-ab recycling. Or individuals may be aware of the general danger but unaware of the disproportionate impact on children and pregnant women. In other cases, individuals may be unaware of their exposure to lead through adulterated spices, lead-based paint, or contaminated cookware. Educational campaigns seem to be a common intervention to address lead exposure, but it appears their efficacy is rarely assessed rigorously 34 we expect that educational campaigns will be a tractable and effective intervention in many circumstances. However, some health professionals caution that educational campaigns often treat interventions as behavioral and lifestyle choices where, if individuals just had more knowledge, they would make better choices and avoid environmental exposures. This underlying logic overlooks the deep structural disparities that drive people to the margins and engagement with formal or informal sector activities with exposure risks. 
educational approaches will do best when integrated with efforts to provide real and accessible alternatives that emphasize systems-level changes that span beyond the public health arena, Cortes et al., 2018-11. Hotspot Cleanup Soil can become contaminated from lead from many sources, informal all-ab recycling, informal e-waste recycling, lead mining, industrial smelting, and other industrial activities. Lead in soil has a half-life of 700 years, Semlali et al., 2004. The tractability of cleaning such sites appears to depend on details that are not entirely clear to us. Cleanup typically involves some combination of soil encapsulation, replacement, removal, enclosure, or covering. In our conversation, IPAN cautioned that cleanup must be conducted in a manner that deals safely with the waste and does not lead to further contamination. They reported that toxic cleanup can be done cheaply but poorly and that doing it well is expensive. They also warned that poor cleanup often turns into a political issue as an entity could claim they could clean up lead contamination in one location, but create another lead contamination problem either during the process or through poor handling of the waste. Their view is that prevention of contamination is always the better option when possible, which is why they focus on prevention, including regulations and policies, and do not focus on applied cleanup activities. Corporate campaigns. Leaded pigments are found not only in paints but also in spices and glazes. The pigment industry appears to be relatively concentrated and thus perhaps a good target for a corporate campaign. Another possibility is to challenge battery manufacturers, whose industry is also relatively concentrated, to pay more attention to the full life cycle of their products 35. The tractability of such campaigns depends on a variety of details we did not have time to investigate. Replacing leaded products. Although we have not looked into the idea in any detail, Directly replacing leaded products with safe alternatives may be an attractive intervention in some areas. For example, inexpensive aluminum cookware is widely used in low-income countries, and this cookware has often been found to contain and subsequently leach dangerous levels of lead, Weidenhammer et al., 2014. NGOs could offer to replace leaded cookware with non-leaded equivalents or subsidize the purchase of non-leaded equivalents. Alternatively, NGOs could work with manufacturers of cookware to ensure they are not sourcing unsafe materials. However, it seems unlikely that these methods will be the most cost-effective approaches to reducing lead exposure. Cost-effectiveness. In this section we discuss cost-effectiveness estimates of cleaning up informal lead acid battery sites and of regulation on lead paint, since these are the interventions for which we could find formal cost-effectiveness modeling. There are many other interventions that could be considered, and we suspect they will vary significantly in their cost-effectiveness. Pure Earth suggested that public awareness and education campaigns around lead in spices could be the most cost-effective lead intervention, but we haven't seen anything backing up this claim to assess it in detail. Given the nature and degree of the uncertainty surrounding lead exposure, the most valuable use of resources might currently be additional research. Informal lead acid battery recycling hotspots. Ericsson et al. 2018a estimate the cost-effectiveness of cleaning up an informal lead acid battery recycling hotspots in the Dominican Republic. They suggest that they averted 133 to 1,096 DALYs for a cost of $392 to $3,238, 2009 US dollars, per daily depending on the modeling assumptions made. They do not include the income gains from IQ gains, which we saw before were globally estimated to be roughly 10 times more valuable than the health gains. If this is the case and we naively extrapolate, we might expect a daily equivalent to be averted for $40 and $300. Ericsson et al. 2018b, look at a similar project in Vietnam but don't calculate daily burdens. They find a BLL drop from 40.4 to 12.3 after cleanup for at least 200 children, in a village of total population 2,600, 
for a total cost of $118,750. In the Dominican study, there was a BLL drop of roughly half the size, 20.6 to 5.3, 176 people and a total cost of $430,000, roughly 3.5 times higher. If we naively assume the benefit was twice as large for a third of the cost in Vietnam, the cost-effectiveness would be 6x larger than in the Dominican Republic. However, since, 1, the BLLIQ dose-response relationship is steepest at initial lead exposures and, 2, the Dominican Republic started at a lower BLL, a rough analysis suggests that the IQ gains in the Dominican Republic and Vietnam are comparable and therefore cost-effectiveness improvements in Vietnam should be limited to the cheaper program. Chowdhury et al. 2021, undertake a similar study in Bangladesh. They find a drop from 23 to 15 G slash DL for a cost of $40,300. However, it's not clear how many children actually benefited from this intervention since 64% of their baseline sample of 69 were not found at endline 14 months later, so the conservative assumption would be to assume only the 25 children found at the end benefited, which would give it a similar cost-effectiveness to the Dominican Republic study. We emphasize that we haven't carefully vetted any of these studies and our general assumption is that after further interrogation, and less naive extrapolations, these would appear less cost-effective. Furthermore, there is probably some form of publication bias with these estimates being on the more cost-effective end of the distribution. That said, these papers all look at the cost-effectiveness of a curative approach to hotspots, cleaning them up. Typically, Preventive measures are substantially more cost-effective than curative measures so approaches aimed at stopping hotspots from forming may be more cost-effective, but we haven't seen any formal analysis on preventive measures yet. 36. One preventive measure discussed below is regulating lead paint. Lead paint regulation. The Lead Exposure Elimination Project have produced three cost-effectiveness models. Their most recent model, from April 2021, uses Causal.app to produce a distribution of cost-effectiveness. Their January 2021 model, built upon the model charity entrepreneurship used in their assessment of lead paint regulation as an effective area to found a charity. This is updated from their November 2020 model with more complexity and captures some of the recent progress they have made. The headline result of Lee P's cost-effectiveness analysis is that given their quick success in Malawi, they estimate their advocacy for lead paint regulation averts a daily equivalent for $11 with a 90% confidence interval, $3.14.28, Using previous give well moral weights to value 2.8 years of income equally to one daily, the cost effectiveness would likely be better if Dow Wise were valued at $50,000 and income doublings at $60,000 as done in the important section above. Before they started in Malawi, they assumed a 35% chance of success which resulted in an estimate of $17 and $35 per daily equivalent depending on time discounting, which they have since updated to a 80% chance of success. From a short inspection the CEA seems fairly well done. We briefly list some factors which could potentially make LEAP an order of magnitude less cost-effective. They chose Malawi as a particularly effective place to start and they were unexpectedly successful there, so as they move to new countries they might face a doubly diminishing return from both a lower burden of lead and a lower probability of successful reform. The cost-effectiveness analysis is an estimate of how cost-effective they have been in the past rather than the marginal impact of additional funding. They discount the estimated economic burden in Malawi from Atina and Trasande, 2013, by 50%, justified by their assumption of a one-point drop in IQ leading to 1% less earnings, rather than the pessimistic 2%. This discount factor could be lowered further to account for the internal and external validity concerns, discussed above, around the IQ earnings relationship and the BLL-IQ relationship, the latter of which they currently don't adjust for. 
Lead paint could make up substantially less of the lead exposure burden than 20%. Their cost per country in future countries could be substantially higher than $80,000. Uncertainties and open questions. Our uncertainty can be separated into two categories, uncertainty that is particular to us and uncertainty that is general to the world. The former category includes questions that have been addressed somewhere in the literature and questions that haven't been addressed in the literature but could be reasonably answered by relevant experts. Hence, the uncertainty in this category could be resolved, or at least significantly reduced, with additional desk research. The latter category includes questions that haven't been addressed, or haven't been addressed adequately, in the literature and that cannot be reasonably answered by experts. Reducing uncertainty in this category will require fieldwork or specialized academic research. Currently, our two most important uncertainties concern source apportionment, what are the exposure pathways, and cost effectiveness, how much of the overall lead burden can be eliminated at or below a $1.50 daily equivalent averted threshold. Open questions particular to us. How much do governments spend on lead exposure? How much do international development organizations spend on lead exposure? Who are the big pigment producers? Where are they located? Why do they continue to put lead in their pigments? How significant is lead in ceramics? What are the best interventions to address this exposure pathway? How significant is lead in tobacco products? What are the best interventions to address this exposure pathway? How significant is lead in electronic waste? What are the best interventions to address this exposure pathway? Are there other sources of lead exposure on the horizon? Open questions general to the world. How much of the lead burden is attributable to different sources? What percentage of the lead burden can be addressed cost-effectively? How much will current estimates of cost-effectiveness change after further scrutiny? What are the best estimates of the causal relationship between blood lead level and IQ, and IQ and income? What are the externalities of lead-related IQ gains? What is the counterfactual impact of additional investment to reduce lead exposure? What opportunities exist for new organizations to work on lead exposure? How likely is it that, without additional investment from EA sources, leaded paint will be fully regulated by 2030? By 2040? How well enforced will these regulations be? Grant ideas. As we see it, there are two different categories of funding that could be valuable in the near future, funding more direct work and funding more research. Direct work. By our lights, there are at least two organizations addressing lead exposure in a manner that appears potentially similar in cost-effectiveness to give well-top charities. With more research, we may be able to identify programs at other organizations that are similarly cost-effective. There may also be opportunities to provide seed funding for new organizations focused on lead. LEAP. LEAP is a small organization, so its ability to absorb new funding is currently limited. Additional funding could cover LEAP's second-year funding gap of $225,000, allowing them to continue to monitor lead levels in paint in Malawi to assess the extent and durability of their initial policy success and or allow LEAP to expand to more countries on its priority list, with an estimated cost of $50,000 per year per additional country. LEAP focuses exclusively on lead, so fungibility is not a concern. Although LEAP's current model focuses on enacting restrictions on lead paint, if evidence emerged that other interventions were more effective at reducing lead exposure, LEAP could probably be convinced to pivot to those interventions. Pure Earth. Pure Earth is much larger than LEAP and is thus capable of absorbing much more money. If given additional funds, Pure Earth would strengthen their current programs and expand to additional countries, with an estimated cost of $300,000 to $1 million per year per country. Pure Earth runs a small program focused on mercury exposure, but they intend lead work to absorb an increasing proportion of their resources, so fungibility between causes is not a significant concern. 
Fungibility between intervention types is a bigger worry. We have only evaluated Pure Earth's all-ab cleanup and remediation interventions, and are not confident in our evaluations, but these interventions appear to be surprisingly cost-effective. We suspect their informal all-ab recycling preventative campaigns are even more cost-effective, and they assert that their work on lead and spices is even more promising. We haven't evaluated that claim. Pure Earth is also working on leaded pottery glaze in Mexico, and we have no sense for the cost-effectiveness of that type of work. An initial grant could fund rigorous cost-effectiveness studies on all their different intervention types. This could either be done by an external party or by Pure Earth since they seem both capable of and interested in this type of self-assessment. More research. Unlike many other global health problems of comparable scale, for example malaria, the extent of the lead problem, the pathways to lead exposure, and the potential interventions to reduce exposure are all poorly understood. DLL studies. Given the significance of lead poisoning, we were surprised to find a relative paucity of blood lead level, BLL, studies. BLL studies are a crucial component for both understanding the extent of the lead problem and for building political will to address the problem. Multiple individuals with whom we spoke suggested the best way to get more BLL studies done is to integrate BLL measures into existing national demographic and health surveys. The DHS program is a natural place to attempt this integration. Because BLL studies are of such fundamental importance and because they are relatively inexpensive, especially when tacked onto a pre-existing survey, this sort of grant could have very high value of information, though we haven't attempted to calculate, even roughly, the exact value of this sort of grant. Apportionment studies. Knowing the blood lead levels of a particular population is important, but there is little we can do to address the problem unless we know where the lead is coming from. Systematic apportionment studies across many countries would help us pinpoint the sources of lead causing the most harm, allowing us to tailor our responses appropriately and enabling us to better prioritize future intervention research. At this time we do not know whom to fund to conduct this research. BLLIQ link. Much of the scale of the lead problem hinges on the connection between lead exposure and reductions in IQ. Because this is such a crucial consideration, a shift in evidence concerning this connection could shift the way we view the lead problem. Although the existing literature on this connection is not poorly done, the literature is small and the relationship is complicated with many potential confounders. It would not surprise us if future research overturned many of the conclusions of the present literature. At this time we do not know whom to fund to conduct this research. What we would do with more time? We believe we could spend another 30 to 40 hours productively researching this topic and that the next 30 to 40 hours of research could significantly alter some of our headline conclusions. Here is a partial list of what we would do with more time. Quantify our uncertainty in various important propositions, including the proportion of the lead burden attributable to different sources and the cost-effectiveness of different intervention types. Talk to Jennifer Scythe at Stanford. Talk to Brett Erickson at UNEP. Talk Brian Wilson at ELA. Talk to Andreas Manhart at OCO Institute. Talk to Angela Bandemer at US EPA. Talk to Perry Gottesfeld at OK International. Investigate e-waste recycling more closely. Investigate lead in tobacco products more closely. Investigate lead in ceramics more closely. Vet Erickson et al. 2017 more closely. Examine the feasibility of corporate campaigns against pigment manufacturers or battery manufacturers. Think more explicitly about how much we would upweight the daily burden and downweight the income burden, or find more considerations that would change our mind on the direction. Search for more burden reduction studies to use for cost-effectiveness analysis. Develop a better understanding of the IQ-income relationship in LMICs. Have a biologist scrutinize the biomedical literature on lead to confirm that lead is a significant neurotoxin. Conclusion. 
Although the health hazards of lead exposure have been known for millennia, 37, there is much we do not know about contemporary exposure pathways and how to reduce them. What's clear is that lead exposure is a massive problem, the health impacts and social costs of lead exposure rival other major global issues, such as malaria 38, despite a similar scale, lead exposure appears to be much more neglected, with donors spending at least an order of magnitude less on lead exposure than on malaria 39. The cost-effectiveness of interventions to reduce lead exposure has not been investigated as closely as the cost-effectiveness of interventions to prevent malaria. However, there do appear to be interventions, such as advocating for lead paint regulations, educating consumers about lead-adulterated products, increasing the formal recycling of lead-acid batteries, and cleaning toxic hotspots, that could be cost-competitive with malaria interventions. The value of information of learning more about these interventions and the problem of lead exposure in general appears to be quite high. References. Angelon Gates, K.A., Klaus, C., Chowdhury, E.A., and Veen, D.K. 2018. Lead in Spices, Herbal Remedies, and Ceremonial Powder Sampled from Home Investigations for Children with Elevated Blood Lead Levels, North Carolina, 2011-2018. Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, 6746. 1,290-http://dxdoi.org/10.15585/mmwr.m6746a2. Atina T. Antrasande L2013. Economic costs of childhood lead exposure in low and middle-income countries. Environmental health perspectives. 121.9.1097-1102. Billings S. Enschnbel K2018. Life after lead. Effects of Early Interventions for Children Exposed to Lead. American Economic Journal, Applied Economics, 10.3, 315-344. Chaloner, C. 2018. Greater Demand for Performance and Functionality Drive Pigment Development, American Coatings Association. American Coatings Association. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from Slash. Chowdhury, K., Nurunahar, S., Kabir, M., Islam, M., Baker, M., and Islam, M. et al. 2021. Child Lead Exposure Near Abandoned Lead Acid Battery Recycling Sites in a Residential Community in Bangladesh, Risk Factors and the Impact of Soil Remediation on Blood Lead Levels. Environmental Research, 194. Erickson, B. Hugh, H., Nash, E. Ferraro, G., Sinitsky, J., and Taylor, M. 2021. Blood Lead Levels in Low-Income and Middle-Income Countries, A Systematic Review. The Lancet Planetary Health. Erickson, B., Landrigan, P., Taylor, M., Frostad, J., and Caravanos, J. 2017. The Global Burden of Lead Toxicity Attributable to Informal Use Lead Acid Battery Sites. Annals of Global Health, 825, 686-689. Erickson, B., Caravanos, J., Deprat, C., Santos, C., Cabral, M., Fuller, R., and Taylor, M. 2018a. Cost-Effectiveness of Environmental Lead Risk Mitigation in Low- and Middle-Income Countries. GeoHealth, 22, 87-101. Erickson, B., Duan, T., Keith, J., Wynn, T., Havens, D., and Daniel, W. et al. 2018b. Improving Human Health Outcomes with a Low-Cost Intervention to Reduce Exposures from Lead Acid Battery Recycling, Dong Mai, Vietnam. Environmental Research, 161, 181-187. FAA. 2019. Fact Sheet, 
Leaded Aviation Fuel and the Environment. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from Feigenbaum, J., and Muller, C. 2016. Lead Exposure and Violent Crime in the Early 20th Century. Explorations in Economic History, 62, 51-86. Forsyth, J., Naranahar, S., Islam, S., Baker, M., Yezman, D., and Islam, Ahmed al-2019. Turmeric means yellow in Bengali, lead chromate pigments added to turmeric threaten public health across Bangladesh. Environmental Research, 179. Gottesfeld, P., Wur, F.H., Adagame, L., Garby, S., San, D., Noda, M.M., and Kuapuo, G. 2018. Soil Contamination from Lead Battery Manufacturing and Recycling in Seven African Countries. Environmental Research, 161, 609 614. Gould, E. 2009. Childhood Lead Poisoning Conservative Estimates of the Social and Economic Benefits of Lead Hazard Control. Environmental Health Perspectives, 117 7, 1162 1167. Goyer, R. 1997. Toxic and Essential Metal Interactions. Annual Review of Nutrition, 171, 37-50. Grossa, S., Matt, T., Schwartz, J., and Jackson, R. 2002. Economic Gains Resulting from the Reduction in Children's Exposure to Lead in the United States. Environmental Health Perspectives, 1106, 563-569. Higney, A., Hanley, N., and Morrow, M. 2021. The Lead Crime Hypothesis, a Meta-Analysis. Working Paper. Hoare, P., Alexoni, K., Settler, S., and Nagin, D. 2019. A Spoonful of Lead, a 10-Year Look at Spices as a Potential Source of Lead Exposure. Journal of Public Health Management and Practice, 25-1, S63-S70. IPEN. 2017. Soluble and Total Lead Content of Solvent-Based Paints for Home Use in China. Retrieved March 19, 2021, from IPEN. 2021. Lead Levels in Paint Around the World, IPEN. IPEN.org. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from Cordes, K., Ravenscroft, J., Cow, Y., and McLean, E. 2018. Lead Exposure in Low- and Middle-Income Countries, Perspectives and Lessons on Patterns, Injustices, Economics, and Politics. International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, 1511, 2351. Lanfear, B., Horning, R., Corey, J., Yolton, K., Baghurst, P., and Bellinger, D. et al. 2005. Low-Level Environmental Lead Exposure and Children's Intellectual Function, an International Pooled Analysis. Environmental Health Perspectives, 113-7, Lanfear, B., Rauch, S., Owinger, P., Allen, R., and Horning, R. 2018. Low-Level Lead Exposure and Mortality in U.S. Adults, a Population-Based Cohort Study. The Lancet Public Health, 3-4, E-177, E-184, 18-30,025-2. O'Connor, D., Ho, D., Yi, J., Zhang, Y., O.K., Y., and Song, Y. et al. 2018. Lead-based paint remains a major public health concern, a critical review of global production, trade, use, exposure, health risk, and implications. Environment International, 121, 85-101. Occupational Knowledge International. 2021. Hazardous Cookware, Occupational Knowledge International. 
oakinternational.org. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from http colon slash slash www.oakinternational.org cookware. Schaffer, R. Sellers, S. Baker, M. Pebuen Kalman, R. Frostad, J. and Suter, M. et al. 2019. Improving and Expanding Estimates of the Global Burden of Disease Due to Environmental Health Risk Factors. Environmental Health Perspectives, 127.10. Pascal, A. Sosa, A. Bears, C. Batocletti, A. Mall, M. and Pose, D. et al. 2016. E-Waste Informal Recycling, An Emerging Source of Lead Exposure in South America. Annals of Global Health, 82 197-201. Pierce, F2020. Getting the lead out, why battery recycling is a global health hazard. Yale E360. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from. Reyes, J2007. Environmental policy is social policy. The impact of childhood lead exposure on crime. Semlali, R. Dizone, J. Mana, F. Bolt, J. Azimi, S. And Navarro, and et al. 2004. Modeling lead input and output in soils using lead isotopic geochemistry. Environmental Science and Technology, 385, 1513-1521. Teus Rojo, M.M., Bautista Arredondo, L.F., Trejo Valdivia, B., Contoral, A., Estrada Sanchez, D., Cryam, R., Cantic, I., Rosa Parra, A., Gomez Acosta, L.M., Romero Martinez, M., Cuevas Nasu, L. Shamal Levy, T. Fuller, R. and Tamayo Ortiz, M. 2019. Reporte Nacional de Nivelas Diplomo en Sangre y Uso de Barro Vidriado en Poblacion Infantil Vulnerable, National Report of Blood Lead Levels and Lead Glaze Ceramics Use in Vulnerable Children. Salud Pública de Mexico, 616, 787-797. Sai, P. and Hatfield, T. 2011. Global Benefits from the Phase-Out of Leaded Fuel. Journal of Environmental Health, 745, 8-15. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from. UNEP. 2020. The Lead Campaign. UNEP, UN Environment Program. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from. UNICEF. 2020. The Toxic Truth, Children's Exposure to Lead Pollution Undermines a Generation of Future Potential. Retrieved from percent E2% 80% 99S Exposure to Lead Pollution 2020.pdf. WEF. 2020. Consequences of a Mobile Future, Creating an Environmentally Conscious Life Cycle for Lead Acid Batteries. Retrieved from http colon slash slash www3.weforum.org docs slash wef underscore lab underscore recycling underscore guidelines underscore 2020.pdf. Widenhammer, J. Kobunski, P. Kuapuo. G. Corbin, R., and Gautesfeldt, P. 2014. Lead Exposure from Aluminum Cookware in Cameroon. Science of the Total Environment, 496, 339-347. Widenhammer, J., Fitzpatrick, M., Byro, A., Kobunski, P., Hudson, M., Corbin, R., and Gautesfeldt, P. 2017. Metal Exposures from Aluminum Cookware, an unrecognized public health risk in developing countries. Science of the Total Environment, 579, 805-813. WHO. 2010. Childhood Lead Poisoning. Retrieved from. WHO. 2017. Recycling Used Lead Acid Batteries, 
Health Considerations. Retrieved from. WHO. 2019. Lead Poisoning and Health. WHO.in. Retrieved March 2, 2021, from. Appendix 1, How This Report Was Completed. David Reese Bernard and Jason Shucroft jointly researched and composed this report. We spent about 90 collective hours, divided roughly evenly, on this project. Peter Herford provided guidance and management. Thanks to Michael Ard, Sarah Broche, Lucia Coulter, Marcus A. Davis, Neil Dullahan, Holly Elmore, Richard Fuller, Peter Wildford, and Lin Chuan Zhang for helpful comments on an earlier draft. Further thanks to Bjorn Beeler, Sarah Broche Lucia, Coulter, Richard Fuller, Drew McCarter, Rick Nevin, Jack Rafferty, James Snowden, Carol Sumkin, and Dan Wall for taking the time to speak with us. Open Philanthropy provided funding for this project and we use their general frameworks for evaluating cause areas, but they do not necessarily endorse its conclusions. Individuals with whom we met for this project. Lucia Coulter and Jack Rafferty, co-founders of Leap. Dan Wall, EA Chicago, professional engineer, and lead exposure hobbyist. Rick Nevin, independent economist who studies lead and crime. James Snowden, GIF. Well. Sarah Broche and Bjorn Beeler, IPEN. Richard Fuller, Drew McCarter, and Carol Sumkin, Pure Earth. Thanks for listening to help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.